0: Hello, this is Pam Electric Ghost. I have Effie Loan on. Hello. Hi, how you doing?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Good, so it's great. Um, I'm going to do a little brief intro. Mm-hmm. Ghost, we interview NDRs from around the world, and right now we have Effie Loan from the UK on, and we're glad to have you on the program.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to be here.
0: <laughs> so we sent you the questions ahead of time, so we're going to start into that, and we'll, we'll talk about your music. But we always act like to ask our guests, like, when did you first get into music, and like, what age?
1: Um, so I would say I got into music when I was about five, and yeah, ever since then I've just been writing. So mainly when I was younger, I just like wrote like poems and stuff, and then it just like developed into songs. And then I got into like play, learning how to play the guitar and stuff, and then then started singing. yeah, just continue from there.
0: So yeah, so you've been doing it from a very young age, which is common among all the singer-songwriters I talk to. It seems that that people tend to know that they're musicians, or they know Mm -hmm. they're artists or painters or actors. Um, So when did you realize early, I guess, because you were writing poetry, that you wanted to not just get into music and become like a classical musician or a studio musician, you wanted to write your own music.
1: Um, so when I realized, like, so I actually, when I was in school, I managed to like meet Amy Winehouse. And that's when I realized I wanted to like do it professionally and write my own songs and stuff like that. Um, me like loads and, um, yeah, I like met her out in St. Lucia. So that's how I was like, right, I'm going to take this seriously and start writing my own stuff. And yeah, and just went from there.
0: That's amazing because like, to meet somebody at that caliber is like, you know, as, as a keyboardist, if I let, met <laughs> like Rick yeah. Wakeman or Bernie Worrell or, you know, somebody like that, it was like, what, you know, but yeah, that's, that's interesting because she was like one of the greatest, you know, singer songwriters of, yeah. of any generation. Um, so that's, that's interesting. You, you met somebody that, that, with that kind of reputation or capability yeah Um, it honestly
1: like it was a really good like surreal experience as well it was just like wow
0: (laughs) wow it's just amazing i I was watching a documentary about her i don't think a lot of people don't realize how much of a songwriter and um you know musician she played a lot of that stuff on nylon guitar Mm -hmm. you know at the demo i was was watching the producers talking about um how they put that album together back in black um yeah and it's just you know some people don't realize how, how deep some you know artists go in their own mm. music, yeah. Um, and that's always been a thing that I I like to dive into the singer songwriters. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and I grew up in the era of listening to like, uh, you know, Carly Simon, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that whole the whole idea of albums and a, a songwriter is actually bringing a voice. Um, mm-hmm. you know like the carpenters this, this listening to stuff that had like a depth to it and Amy yeah. kind of brought that back um and I thought that was you know that's really the core so you realized you had a talent for it at like what age did you realize that you you actually could do something with your own songs and actually start putting down full songs
1: um so I would say it was probably probably when I was around about Twelve I actually started so i didn't like i didn't know like the guitar or anything, but I actually started just writing lyrics and like melodies and everything, and started like singing to them and then that's when I realized oh you know it'll be quite cool to like you know do you know write a song and stuff so um then I basically started to learn the guitar um and then wrote like a few songs on the guitar, and then yeah, my lyrics were like quite um deep. So I was just kind of like it was more kind of um, rappy kind of lyrics to begin with, and then I like developed like my melody and singing like later on. Yeah,
0: because you're 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 tagged your line tagged you as like an urban artist, but I hear like the songcraft of of like uh, you know somebody like an Amy Winehouse mm. um, in in your music. So it's it's kind of like alternative and rap and R and B, which is a good mix yeah. to have. And I, I see that you, you have worked as you've progressed in the industry. You, you know, you met Amy Winehouse. You've worked with some renowned writers and mm-hmm. producers, people that worked um, behind J-Lo and Celine so yeah. Dion. So yeah, you've got some really good backing. Um, yeah. And you're on a pretty good label. So how did you get from, from, from doing that kind of, uh, you know, work as your own, on your own, you know, Building your songcraft to to meeting these people and getting to that connection was it after you met Amy that you were able to get to these other people? How how did that happen? No,
1: so after that, um, so basically, I just joined um, a songwriting course in London, and then just managed to meet like so many people from there, and just like collaborated with so many people, and then. Just, like, through that, like, it's really, like, introduced me to, like, so many different contacts and stuff and so many different artists and people. And that's just basically where it started um, with, like, collaborations and stuff.
0: Yeah, so the networking in the industry seems to be, like, you know, the, like, it, it, I'm a keyboardist that like that's into, like, modular synthesis and there's a lot of people in New York that are into that and hmm. uh you know I, I keep on connecting to people just because i have like you know habits and if we we like to dive into MOGs and we get lost in them
1: yeah yeah <laughs> but
0: um yeah so i can understand like you get into that kind of collective with all these songwriters as a focus mm-hmm. um I'm more of a of a guy that's like a synthesis but uh yeah working with with the lyrics being the focus and so you did those courses how did that course work like change what you had already been doing
1: um, so it just basically, like, managed what, so how did my, what, developing the chorus, do you mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, it went to the, like, I guess you went into these class, the songwriting class, yeah. you you'd already been a songwriter, so how did that, like, did that significantly change the way you went about writing songs, or just added to what you were doing?
1: So, yeah, so they basically taught, um, quite a lot of, like, how to write songs, um, which I was you know, like, absolutely fine with, like, some things, I think it's best to just be authentic as an artist. And, you know, like, I don't think it's necessary that you need to, like, follow any rules, like, if you're just an authentic artist. So um, it's more, literally, it was more about meeting people and just writing loads of songs and, like, of loads of different genres to kind of, like, identify what your true sound is. And that's how I, like, developed my new, like, like, my true sound was just by writing with so many people and doing that. So that's what I did.
0: So when you start with a, with a song, you, originally you said you were a lyricist, kind of like taking poetry and mm-hmm. songs, and then you got the guitar. A lot of times when you have people who are like playing instruments, like pianos or guitars, they kind of started with a chord arrangement and they started with something on, on a piano. Do you usually start with your words or do you start with your music?
1: Um, I tend to start with the music. Um, so base like I, I tend to just like freestyle loads of different melodies when, when I'm writing songs and then like a word will come out and I'm like, oh, like that's quite a good line for a song. And then I'll focus on that kind of, and usually like with freestyles, I find it's what I'm feeling at the time as well. So it like really resonates with me. So I'll just do you know, whatever like flows like really well and just goes and it just comes out, which is good.
0: Yeah, I was I was watching some documentaries um on musicians and it was interesting, like Tom Petty would 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 was talking about how some of his most famous songs, his band had all the music and then he kind of just came in and, and did like of consciousness.
1: Nice. Um
0: uh and a lot of times he just you know, I think it's because you have this kind of you, uh, you know a diary of all these reference points mm-hmm. in your head when you're a songwriter and if you hear something suddenly that activates something in your memory and you pull something out so it's not exactly just free form it just because you've kind of developed these ideas and they, something triggers you to pull one of these ideas out yeah you know and maybe it's even in your subconscious you don't realize yeah. but i find that that stream of consciousness type of writing from like jim Morrison to Hendrix, to, you know, the way Dylan used to do stuff, it it seems to be a good way to kind of just let the tape run, mm-hmm. run some ideas and go back and kind of find the, the, the golden nuggets. In
1: there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I do that, like, with pretty much, like, all of my songs. Like, I've got so many, like, video footage of, like, loads of random, like, songs and ideas and stuff. And I just, like, go through, like, it all and just, like, be... But to be honest with you, like, when... When I know, like, I just like get a feeling. I'm like, oh, this is actually cool. I'm gonna like continue and make this into a song. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So do you just put it down with your phone? Because I, I see people like nowadays they take like a video note or they take a note, audio note on their phone, or they go to like a Fostex, mm-hmm. like four tracker, or what? How, how do you? Do you have like a home studio and you put it down on your dog? You just do it yeah. On your phone?
1: So I put it first of all. I put it down as a voice note. And then I will then sit down and write the lyrics and then I will, I've got a home studio. So then I will then record it properly into that.
0: So your, your home studio like focused on like a digital audio workstation and maybe which one do you use or do you have uh, you know, like a lot of people getting into analog gear and all kinds of stuff now, but which way would, how do you actually go about it?
1: So I just use uh, logic pro with a, with an interface and connect it with my mic.
0: Cool. Yeah, a lot of people in bedroom studios now it seems to be like where things are, especially with coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> I had people's bedroom studios becoming like their primary work workstation. Yeah, I
1: had to invest in a mic because I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not letting Corona, you know, like stop the flow of music. And I had to yeah, get like yeah. some vocals but- recorded. So I was like, right, I'm going to invest in a good mic. And also, like, I feel so much more comfortable like recording from home as well because it's just like in your own time, and you can like really like connect with it.
0: So which mic did you go with? Because I'm kind of a studio rat. So I'm always... Interested. Okay,
1: right. So I went with um a Avatone CV12.
0: Oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the secret sauce of all music. You can go back to like what Sinatra was doing mm-hmm. in the 50s. Like the mics are such an important part of like why people go to studios, I guess. Yeah. When you're building your home studio, like building that. And I guess as a vocalist, it's even more important, like... If you, you know, you're a drummer, you has different intentions on what type of mics they're using. Or if you're a saxophone player, you're doing different types of things. But, yeah, so as a vocalist, you were you, were you going for a certain sound uh, that, you, that you were looking for?
1: Uh, I just, like, so I just basically just went from um, recommendations. So my friend actually mm-hmm. recommended, like, she recommended it to me and said, yeah, like, this is a good mic. It's good for, like, lower voices, so um, yeah, mm-hmm. I just went with that, and also like looked at the reviews and stuff. So yeah, and then built myself a home home studio booth as well, which is made out of um, duvets and wood, <laughs> just for now.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so your MIDI interface—you have like a MIDI keyboard, or you use like a more of a, a launchpad kind of grid-based interface.
1: It's a uh, MIDI keyboard. More...
0: Yeah, do you find that that they're using the piano? type of interface like a MIDI keyboard focus is is easier to compose like a full song on
1: see i'd so i just basically lay down ideas on the guitar um mm-hmm. i i can't um play much piano um mm-hmm. and then what i do is i just like collaborate with like producers and beat makers and stuff like that and yeah we just do it like that
0: and then you just kind of put together somebody yeah within the grid do you do some of your own production that somebody sends you something or you wait for the producer to do that or do you try to come up with some of the soft sense stuff that's in the DAWs
1: no you, no do do so yeah production wise like I I like say like how I like it like sounding and stuff and give like loads of references and yeah I just you know let the um the producer come up with like something really creative
0: so your demos are primarily like a guitar-focused demos.
1: Um, not always. So sometimes it's piano. Um, and yeah. So it's just a mixture of things. Like I, I try and get like an organic sound. I like to have like a live, like a piano in there or a guitar in there in any of my songs. But yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's really interesting. That like a lot of the band I've been talking to, like traditional rock bands, which are kind of like not as in vogue as they used to be. <laughs> but um, uh, the last couple of bands I've talked to, uh, and and they've always been kind of big, big purveyors of organic instruments like guitars and pianos just to get that feel. Yeah. Because um, we're kind of living in an age where there's so many electronic things you can do within a DAW mm-hmm. that aren't not, not, aren't exactly, you know, acoustic instruments. Yeah. But there's still like a need in music to me to, to bring an acoustic instrument in for that feel. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel that way? Where as a songwriter, sometimes you want that kind of intimacy that a piano or a guitar gives. Yeah,
1: I like to like express like I like emotion in in my sound, like with my stuff. So like I always quite like uh, an either like a sad type piano or like that mm-hmm. guitar feel and stuff like that. That's yeah, that's what usually I or violins, even violins.
0: Yeah, because like if you're listening to Amy Winehouse, it's got that kind of Motown vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's she really brought, cool. She brought in a lot, a lot of the acoustic instrument kind of production, like traditional, like 1960s, 70s production techniques onto uh, her stuff. Was um kind of like the signature. It was kind mm-hmm. of like this kind of not neo, so it was like a retro. So yeah, um, but she was doing something fresh with her, her, her sound with her personal lyrics. Mm. Um, and that's that's always kind of driven me as a singer songwriter vibe I've always been drawn to that yeah you know so do you feel like I guess you've name checked some people who have that kind of feeling is that that what drives you the most when you when you listen to music like your reference points if you're gonna name check people I know you, you have Amy but who else would you be inspired by
1: um I would say Sam Tompkins just like Just like I go for like artists that actually show the emotion in their voice and also in their lyrics. So that's like the most like that's the main thing I'm attracted by. So like NF, Sam Tompkins, like they're like both brilliant artists and brilliant lyricists and you can really hear like you can really hear the emotion and that's that's what I'm attracted to.
0: So the songs I've seen on your Spotify, you have the new single for 2020, Let's Go Back. Mm-hmm. and maybe talk about how that got developed? Because you're, you're the primary writer on it, yep. um, from what I can see on it. And so how did that come about? And is it part of a bigger project?
1: Um, yeah, so Let's Go Back was um, I was basically uh, freestyling on my guitar. And then I had the, uh, the melody of the rap. I just like started doing it. And then um, I basically was like, oh, this is quite a cool melody. And then one of the lyrics that I said was something about like, let's go back and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is quite a cool concept. And I was feeling it at the time because I, um, I was working in a cafe and it was just like you know working seven days a week i couldn't do like anything that i really enjoyed because i was just busy trying to make money Yeah. yeah and yeah so basically just did the um just did the um guitar to it and just wrote the lyrics so i wrote the first verse of the rap and then left it for like three months and then managed to write the rest of the um the lyrics so, yeah, it took – and then my friend helped me with the piano on it and also with the chorus melody and then just sent it to, to the producer and just basically, like, just had, like, the piano down and a rough draft of the vocals and just asked her to just, you know, do, like, an organic kind of, like, different, unique sound to it.
0: <laughs> so, you, so you had said you actually put – it started working on it then you kind of, like, put it down – what made you come back to it?
1: Um, so I knew that, like, for some reason, I wanted to, like, come back to it. So I put it down. And I don't usually do that when I write. Like, if I've got a song, I usually write it, finish it that day, and it's done. But for some reason, I I was like, no, there's, like, better lyrics. So what I did was I literally just wrote down, like, loads of words, like, to do with that subject. And just, like, paragraphs of, like, in my notes. It's just, like, crazy and then just like one day like both of the other the two other two verses like came out and I was like, oh okay, that's cool. And yeah, obviously it was part of the process for that song. So um yeah.
0: Yeah, some songs some songs are like that because they feel like I'm a big uh music historian. And you know, some some songs like if you think about it, like uh Bruce Bernstein, you know, his famous you know, the track that he did, Born to Run, it took took months because mm-hmm. they just kept on getting at it with this kind of wall of sound and it just never seemed to be done uh but where other songs are just like boom just off yeah the like nebraska like he just did it on a four tack task cam in a hotel and it just kind of just boom it is there know, it was like a devil he put it out the way he wrote it, it yeah it's pretty much you know so some things kind of you know you never get people always ask you know songwriters well how do you do it and it's kind of like how you service the song. Some songs kind of come from the muse. Mm-hmm. It comes out of you and what's out there and you kind of tap into it and you never know what's going to service the song. You know, one day you could be, you know, just doing like field recordings and you find some weird sound in the forest and you do something. Yeah, <laughs> um, you You never know. It's hard to, hard to pin down. Exactly. So, so yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like,
1: it's all part of the process, isn't it? And it's, like, it's nice that, like, not every song is exactly the same, like, how you write it and stuff. Like, some songs will be easy, like, and quick to write, and then others, it may take a, a bit of time, but, like, it's, it's all good, you know? Like, there's no rush on it. That's how I see it anyway.
0: Yeah, it's, it's weird. it's interesting. Like, if you're a singer-songwriter, you're kind of a solo act, you have you know you might work with other producers and work with people and you kind of have this vision but then if you're like in a band which I've been in bands and I've been solo and Mm. I've worked on those it's just a totally different vibe when you're in a band like if you're in a four-piece like rock band then you, you, you might have you know everybody's putting their piece in everybody's kind of changing the song and it just shapes from the personalities in the band. Yeah. And then yeah. If you're a solo artist and you work with producers. Do you find it's kind of like when you're working with your producer, it, it, it really shapes your idea? Yeah. Or do you have a lot, of, a lot of, do you always agree with your producer? Or do you have like, you kind of go back and forth or trust your producer to kind of change it to be what, what it could be? Or mm. do you have a very specific vision? So what you want to do and then kind of say well it needs to go this way.
1: Well, I always like think like so one of the the person that produced it was Hattie and she like lives up in Newcastle and she literally like got me straight away, like the sound and everything. And I always believe like because she like specializes in that, like she will do it justice. And obviously, like, I've sent, like, reference tracks and everything. I've said how I want it to sound. She'll send me, like, Mm -hmm. a rough draft of, like, oh, this is what I'm thinking. Like, let me know your thoughts on it and stuff. And it just, like, flows. Like, there's not been, like, any point where I'm, like, oh, actually, no, like, I don't Mm -hmm. like any of it. Like, maybe there's, like, a few things, like, oh, maybe change the drum sound a little bit and stuff like that. But... It just, like, it's just about, like, getting to know your producer and just, like, working, like, finding the right people that you work really well with.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like chemistry, I would say, yeah. like, when you're in a band. Like, if you're in a band and you go, like, I'm because I'm, I'm a keyboard player, I tend to write demos, you know, I'll, I'll tend to be able to write the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'll come into the band, like, the drummer will take my my 808 track or my 909 track and I turn it into a, a real percussion track. Mm-hmm. And I usually will defer to, okay, yeah, the drummer's gonna take what I do and make it amazing because that's what drummers yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then a bass player might take my bass line I did on a Moog and they're gonna do what a, a bass player can do. And yeah. they, they, you know, bass players, when you get it, to it, I mean, a lot of them are very melodic. I mean, you know, people who don't listen to the bottom end of songs, how melodic bass players can be is just amazing. They can be just as, uh, you know, as, as melodic as a guitar player putting or or a keyboard player putting things down. Um and it's just it's just amazing how how people when they work together, how how things get interpreted. Yeah. You can bring something and then what you get back. Like Tom Petty used to say of the heartbreakers, like he would give them something and they always made it better than what he imagined it could be. Mm-hmm when you bring it in, there's like everybody in the band would just brings their like a game to it. And suddenly it was like more than what he expected.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of like, when you know you got the right chemistry (laughs) with the people you work with, that's what, so you feel like that's the kind of relationship you have with the people you work with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's all you need. Like really like, it's all part of like trusting each other and like, you know, and also like taking advice as well. Like that's one like thing that I love is just taking advice from other people and their opinions and listening to them um just but yeah i just think like working together collaborating with people and just you know uh listening to people that know know what they're doing and stuff is just like the best process
0: so before coronavirus did you physically go to the studio and work with your producer in real time yeah or did you always kind of do kind of back and forth you know maybe not doing that way With the corona now people have to kind of send their stuff there yeah. and, and then get it back um
1: yeah no I went I went up to yeah, um yeah. Newcastle for for a week and uh we basically worked on um so at, at the time it was an EP um so mm-hmm. we yeah, basically worked on four songs there which I'm probably like the other three songs I'm planning on releasing like later on in the year but um yeah that was one of so, uh, so
0: them oh so that session did four songs you just put out one or two yeah ones.
1: I just put out one at the moment so that was like that was mm-hmm. the first one but I, I think I'm gonna release the other ones later on after I've released like some newer stuff which doesn't make any sense I know but it <laughs> does in my head <laughs> it's like you all part what of the me? plan <laughs>
0: would these be a part of like an ep because they were recorded together or were you just doing singles
1: yeah so i was gonna do ep but um i just yeah i've like done a lot of like marketing research and stuff like and they Mm -hmm. just basically said at the moment like if you're starting out it's good to just release singles Singles. because like spotify only like promotes one of your songs if you release it as an ep so I kind of want to yeah. g- give like each song like the best possible chance, you know, so I'm just going to release singles and then hopefully one day I will do an album like that is that is my goal is to just I know yeah. like albums aren't like particularly popular at the moment, but I just want to do something like really different and cool, you know, like start from the start to the yeah. end and it'd be like a complete like, I don't know, like story and everything. So,
0: Yeah. That's the one yeah. thing I, as a music fan, you know I grew up I'm showing my age I'm in my 50s, mm-hmm. and I would go pick pick up you know, set my out in the 70s, right so like everything was vinyl or a track, and you, you had to listen to a whole project, so from from Carol King to the Beatles to mm-hmm. you know in a Pink Floyd album, you didn't jump around. yeah, you got that vinyl and you sat and listened to "Wish We were here," the whole thing through. And that's kind of like, because I come from that era, I still kind of album oriented. Yeah. And I'm kind of, kind of lament the the fact that that's not as big now, Mm. because I do like to listen to musicians. And I think, I think musicians, when they do an album, it's kind of like reading America, a great novel. Yeah. Um, And, and when you've got a good album, you know, like a Sergeant Peppers or, or, or like uh, Elton John, the Yellow Book Road, you have something that really connects mm-hmm. and tells like this vibe like you know it, it's nothing like it to me um so it's cool when you can actually have that kind of complete thought as a whole project yeah Though i know that today's market with streaming and i have these questions about streaming you, you know you you can you know get each song to have an audience and you can get them on these playlists but then it becomes a little more disjointed in ter- terms of the full breadth of what the artist is doing yes um so I've always been a big, big supporter of anybody who wants to continue with the long play format.
1: Mm. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and I think it's cool, but that's just, you know, I understand where, where the kids are today, and where other people are. But um, so in terms of live performing, were you doing live performance before COVID? Um, or, or, or...
1: No, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I've like done probably about, Four performances, I reckon. Like, I've never been, like, a live performance uh, person, but that is, like, definitely something that I want to do, like, after corona, like... Well, after, like, you know, everything's kind of, you know, back. Um, But, yeah, that is something that I'm definitely going to work on. And I think it's, like, mainly because, like, I didn't, like, have any songs out and stuff. And now I want to just, like, promote my songs. I want to perform stuff like that so that is something that I'm definitely looking into doing and I'm hoping to like find someone that can um because I do quite like most of my stuff is kind of beaty and stuff like that so I'm kind of looking into finding someone who will be able to like mix kind of like live on on stage as well and do do that kind of thing with me so yeah that's, Not, what, that's what that's I'm thinking. So
0: you're you're look, you looking to operate more like like a like a DJ type of set with a DJ behind you, or work with a full band backing you?
1: I would I, I wouldn't say like a DJ. I'd say like more kind of like someone that has like I don't know like machine MK three or something, and can do like the live mixing and stuff like that.
0: Oh, somebody running like a full, maybe even has a synth and maybe has, yeah. like, uh, has a like a, any of the like feel uh, like an MPC, like an Akai MPC. I'm big. Yeah, for that. a lot of hip hop yeah. guys use that. But I like to use alternative like methods of um, MIDI, uh, control. Cause I'm a keyboardist, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like a one man progressive rock kind of thing. Nice. So my setup is I have like a lot of sequencers and a lot of analog gear and you know rolling keyboards and stuff. And you can you know with foot pedals and all kinds of control things, you can control like everything mm. so you you can come out not like with a pioneer cdj you can come out with like real synths and kind of do it like keith emerson used to do it yes.
1: or, or the way
0: yes used to do it yeah and that, that's the original electronic music people people seem to have forgotten like original electronic music was all this big gear yeah and these big stacks like the tony bank you know would have from Genesis. that's the kind of thing that i i like to do
1: mm. nice <laughs> but um
0: yeah it's kind of like a lost art and everybody can just go out with their CDJ. But but there are bands that are getting back into it. You know, in Ber- Berlin, there's a big sound for that. And mm-hmm. London, there's a lot of guys with modular synths out there doing that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of people out there now that know how to actually, you know, be like a musical director. Yeah. And, and go out and do that kind of stuff. So it sounds like maybe you're looking for a musical director. And yes. That, that capability. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's it. Yeah,
0: that's yeah, Cool. So yeah, once everything gets out there, would you go outside of the UK to do that? Yeah, would you travel like, to the states.
1: I'm up for like doing like anything. Like I'm, I yeah, I would love to. Like that would be such a good opportunity if I ever like had a chance to like go out of the UK and do some stuff. I would love it.
0: Yeah, it seems like the festival scene. You know, once they get started, is a is a really good opportunity for a lot of artists because they can get on these big like Glastonbury and all these other mm-hmm. uh, big festivals they have these smaller stages and they have the big ones and you know some of the indie bands are able to get into those smaller stages on those big festivals yeah and, uh, I actually I actually got a booking agent just before corona and then suddenly uh, Americans we haven't been doing so well so now we can't travel. Oh. <laughs> so I got a booker. They could get me to Europe or get me to Asia. And then suddenly I can't go because <laughs> Americans, we're, like ban- we're banned. We're bad behaved." <laughs> that
1: is so, so annoying. Like, okay.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, great. Like the first time I got a good book, yeah. Asia, now I can't yeah. even get it. Um, yeah. But I mean, we're all looking forward as artists to figure out what to do. Have you figured out how to do anything in terms of like live stream? like maybe unplug performances or live stream stuff in 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 the UK is there anything going on like that that you would do that before you do physical life
1: um stuff? yeah so I've like I like was thinking about doing like live videos and stuff like that and then I was like looking into have you heard of OBS software yeah I heard yeah so I was yeah, looking yeah. into that and oh god that was a, that was a nightmare like I spent two days trying to figure it out
0: figure it out I
1: couldn't <laughs> figure it out, um, which is, yeah, so annoying. But, yeah, I, I have, like, been looking in, like, I did, like, a live performance of Let's Go Back when it was um, released and stuff. Like, I, I enjoy, like, from that live performance, I really enjoyed doing it. Like, so I have, like, no problem with um, doing, like, the live streaming and stuff. But,
0: yeah, just, like, trying yeah, to figure the... it out. Um, How to do it. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of cool stuff. For years, I've been using a tripod. With an Apple iPhone, with a thing called a and Go mixer, oh, okay. that actually lets me connect to my Zoom R twenty four, and I can get a full, like high quality audio feed into my cell phone on the tripod. Go on to Twitch, get a good landscape view of my whole bedroom studio, and I've been doing like live performances like that. Oh, nice! And, and it comes out pretty good because the the, the Go, you know, Roland Go mixer is a, is a cheap interface that turns your iPhone into like a Zoom. Mm. Camera. I mean, you can. I mean, I've been looking into getting better cameras like a Zoom Q8 or something, but yeah, the, the, I mean, the iPhones today have pretty good camera. They up. do. And, um, and if you get this little interface, it just lets you do it. I've been live streaming for the last like two years with this thing. Wow. And it pretty, you can do it on Facebook, you do it on Twitch, you can do it on Instagram. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff going on with that. A lot of people are starting to do even more. I'm actually. Branching out into a video podcast version of this program with this tool called Streamyard.
1: Oh, cool! Where you can
0: actually do video par- podcast Unlike this one, that's not live. Yeah. The stream video podcast of the show actually can go live on my Facebook channel.
1: Oh, nice!
0: So yeah, we've been we've had maybe four um, uh, experiments with the people we've talked to. Actually, the bands who wanted to try it. So yeah. We've done like four of them so far. We have done like three hundred of these you know, audio only. <laughs> <laughs> for the video wow <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to try to get more of the video going but it's kind of dependent on what the artist has like the artist doesn't have a good video capability then it's harder to do yeah like with the person we're interviewing but uh yeah i think it's it seems like the net and and streaming and all this technology is gonna give artists a lot of different ways to survive this kind of uh, era yeah of uh not being able to do live shows Uh, had that you know I guess guess up up to this point you haven't been a live act so it hasn't been a big uh, detriment but but to a lot of artists you know it seems like live performing is how they primarily
1: get their income yeah
0: so it's been something that I know you've been working on building your career and getting out there Mm -hmm. um, but have you figured out how you're gonna navigate the way the industry is
1: Yeah, so I've just, like, for, like, this whole of lockdown, I've just been um, researching loads uh, about, like, the music industry and, like, the music business and marketing and stuff like that, so... That's that's what that's that's all I've been doing, <laughs> is researching mm-hmm. and planning. So um, yeah, so it's just right. like different ideas and stuff. And like also, I'm I'm looking into like doing my own like merch line, um, yeah. and stuff like that. So I've like just been like looking into all of that stuff, which is good.
0: Well, it seems like you know, I think streaming. One, I think we always ask people what they think about like streaming and modern technology. I think streaming kind of reminds me of like being a child in the seventies. You know, college radio was how indie bands used to get out, mm. right? So streaming is kind of like the college radio of the day, like where I heard REM was on a college radio station coming out of like UMass Amherst in Massachusetts. I heard some college kid, you know, start playing them. Yeah. And I, you couldn't hear them on a regular radio. And it kind of seems like the way streaming is, allows a lot of indie bands to get out there the way like REM did before they got big. Yeah. Um, and But it's worldwide. Mm-hmm. not just that college radio can only go so far and now you can actually reach all over the world yeah
1: which is amazing it is like the technology nowadays like being an artist is just like really good for like but the, only other,
0: the other the other yeah i think the only problem with it is like the pay rate on it yeah <laughs> it's like it's like percentages of pennies you can't unless you're super big and you're doing like billions mm-hmm. of streams or millions of hundreds of hundreds of millions of streams, your income level is not as high as it would have been if you're physically were selling a download yeah. or a CD. Yeah. So a lot of bands I talk to, they, they sell t-shirts, mm-hmm. you know, they sell posters, they sell buttons. Uh, And when they go on tour and they play in New York or they play in Los Angeles, they, you know, they, they'll sell a vinyl record that they created at a very low level, maybe a thousand copies. And they'll make a lot of money, like $30, $50 a pop. Yeah on on the merch but more money than they make on their records. <laughs> i know
1: i know it's it's and such a shame but yeah it,
0: yeah it just seems that like the only other thing you can do uh as an artist to get into like sync licensing mm-hmm. you know doing production work for other bands if you've got a really good studio or you know gasping on other people's projects and stuff yeah uh but yeah. you know features it seems to be like the what how artists are navigating mm-hmm. you know getting to be parts like collectives that go and do tours and kind of self-support um so then they get a bigger audience so they get a bigger piece of the pot so there's it there seems like that's what at least in the u.s a lot of what's going on yeah
1: now. yeah and yeah, I have just. You
0: thought, yeah, have you thought to work with a collective of artists in the UK or more of like a solo artist? Have you thought to like link up with a collective or anything?
1: Um, no, not really. Like, I would love to like work with like some of my like uh, the people that will influence me, like definitely. Um, but yeah, mainly, to be honest with like mainly like the people that I work with, I, um, I actually find like we, we like communicate on Instagram. And um, it's mainly the people in US that I work with because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. It just just is just happens. So, um, yeah, it's all good.
0: Do you find that Instagram out of all the social media platforms is like seem to be the most musician friendly or do you find other platforms to be as good?
1: Well, I think like TikTok is will will be amazing. Like, I don't personally use it. But I think that is a really good opportunity for musicians to get on TikTok. Definitely. Um, I found Instagram like really works for me. Um, It's like it's more about like the engagement and actually communicating with people that I enjoy about Instagram. Um, And yeah, Facebook, I don't I don't really like use that as much um, just because like Instagram, you can like find so many like artists and like songwriters and stuff and like just basically like communicate with them. And I just find, like, it's very, very easy to do that. But, yeah, if um, I reckon, like, TikTok is probably the way forward. Um, But, yeah, and Instagram, definitely for artists.
0: Yeah, Instagram has been the primary booking tool for this program. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, It's just interesting if somebody digs one of my postings and then there happened to be an artist and I'd say, oh, do you want to be on the show? and that's like how I booked 90% of the people. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just immediate because the direct message and you can put clips. of your work mm-hmm. and you can see their work and it's just, you know, it's an immediate experience. It's more, you know, it's dynamic. And nowadays you can do like little highlights and like these little loops and, um, you know, 10 minute, pro- over 15 minute projects and things on it. So it's getting better all the time, what you can do. Yeah. Um, I just it just seems to be a very artist friendly platform. It I'm does working for working for them, but yeah, I find it easier to connect than even YouTube or Facebook. Mm-hmm. So the engagement on YouTube and Facebook. The only thing I would say is my engagement when I do a live show on Facebook, I get a pretty good engagement if I do a live show. Ah, if if I do some kind of live performance on Facebook, I'll get a lot of people coming in. Yeah, um, but it's on the low... It micro postings I don't get as much engagement as I do on Instagram mm. which is interesting yeah but, you know you use the tool for what it can do you think it's okay that's how it works then I'm okay well I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of use its better capabilities <laughs> uh, um so what what do you think about the current state of the music industry we've been kind of talking around it yeah but what what, what is your feel after you've been doing all that research of what you think, um, you know, the way forward is for people or yourself? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, so I would like say it's definitely just, um, getting out there, like on social media, like being consistent with social media. And I definitely think TikTok is, is probably one of the way forwards, like in regards to like a lot of people, like musicians and artists are getting quite big. If, their song goes viral on TikTok and stuff like that but depending on what kind of like artist you are so uh, like if you're like into like doing like something that you think oh this will definitely like go viral on TikTok like go for it but like if you're an artist that you know doesn't do that kind of thing it either way it doesn't matter like you just i think it's just all about like pushing through and just being as authentic to yourself as possible and just kind of like trusting the process um so yeah that's that's what I know like because there's not many like live gigs and that and quite a lot of artists are doing like live streaming which is cool yeah. but um but there are like artists that don't like social media either which is like completely fine you know um yeah, yeah. so yeah it's difficult like that I think there's no like what you Great have answer. to do, there's no right answer. Yeah. It's like, whatever you feel is good for you as an artist, it's your journey, do it. Like, that's how I see it
0: anyway. Yeah, I, just would, I, I would just like the engagement of, of the industry to kind of get it to, you know, where people could value, you know, the music at the same level they value like video games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like, if you, had to, you talk to a young person, in their twenties, or you know, and they'll spend like hundreds of dollars on video games for for an Xbox. Yeah. But if you ask them to spend like ten dollars on a CD, they're like, oh no, I'm not. No, nah, yeah. Um, and so it's it's like, how do you get that connection to that Market, you know. You, you know I've been looking at getting you know music onto video games. Mm. I've been talking to like music game developers. Yeah. And it's like that that's a way to get it. doing electronic music. It's kind of easy to get into that because then you could actually do something that fits what they're doing mm-hmm. um but but yeah even if you get a song played in a game you know yeah so you can get one of your songs into a big game then you can actually get pretty good royalty levels yeah, they're actually sometimes a bit better than what the standard ones are now for like spotify and apple yeah so you're like whoa that's a, that's a whole nother market um a way to get into it yeah and, and just, it's the same know, with, with like different. netflix yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that yeah, if you can get sync licensing and get get a song like a thirty second like uh, part of a of a theme song of a te- of a Netflix cable show, mm-hmm. and, or you can even get to be in the bulk of the show it's like background music, that the sync licensing deals are are really good um, yeah. compared to what we normally get. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like you just have to be innovative and figure out how to get. Into these new places, like music is is used everywhere. It's used in advertising. It's used in film. It's used. So it's not a lack of places to get it to. Mm -hmm. It's just trying to find out how to get there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. And they say, like, literally, like, your music should be like twenty percent creating and eighty percent marketing. (laughs) which is like yeah, true is because hard. like <laughs> what's the point in making something that no one's going to hear you might as well like spend a lot of time doing your marketing and finding out who your target audience are so you can push it out to them but yeah it's unfortunate like usually record labels do that for you do the marketing side but as an independent artist that is something that you would you would have to do
0: yeah i mean it's interesting that I, as an indie artist what you do you know i sometimes from time to time i'll, I'll link with the label I've got two little independent distribution deals I'm doing mm. to see if they actually can do what they say they can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, it's just it's kind of the freedom to be an independent artist. You know, you see big acts like Pearl Jam in Radiohead. Mm-hmm. They they dropped their labels. They went independent. Yeah. Because they like they can just do what they want. Um, and, and being able to give your fans, like Pearl Jam, gives people, like, every copy of every live performance they ever do. Yeah. That people, people can just go get it because that's the way they want to run it mm-hmm. if they were on a label label was like I can't, i'm not gonna do that when i going to let you do that. yeah so that's the kind of advantage of being independent you can say well i'm gonna give the fans what they want you mm-hmm. know and what i want to do um and what the label thinks i should do yeah exactly <laughs> but, um, it, i think that's where a lot of people as artists are like okay they like that freedom to have that kind of fan base you know if they can get people to be as dedicated as like the grateful dead fans
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's kind of like everybody's goal yeah it is <laughs> to get the, them to like you know be in that kind of commune they're gonna get in the vw bus they're gonna go to every single show you ever do buy all your records and be there like every night That that's kind of like what you want yeah to that connect um you know at least like when i grew up that was like the goal mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> So so what are you thinking about um doing for the rest of 2021 besides like maybe working on uh the additional so- songs do you have any collabs that you're working on Um yeah people?
1: so I've got quite a few um collabs that I'm working on so um yeah I've just yeah it's like all, pretty much most of it's been through Instagram because like I haven't managed to actually meet anyone in a while <laughs> because of uh mm-hmm. obvious uh reasons but yeah like so many collabs it's ridiculous but um I've like recently like ever since corona happened like I've experienced like really bad writer's block which is really weird like usually I can write like you know and mm-hmm. um yeah for some reason I'm just like I think it might be because like I'm I'm used to, like, kind of, like, doing my own thing in the daytime and then, like, getting, like, inspiration from things that happen in the daytime and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, but I am, like, back working and doing collabs with people, which is good.
0: Do you find that collabs give you, like, more creative inspiration because you get, like, a file from somebody or somebody sends you a track and then suddenly that kind of gives you the inspiration because it's somebody else's like different vision
1: yeah I mean I I just yeah I just go with like whatever like feels right like if someone sends me like I've had like a couple of things that people have sent me over and I always like select the one that I like resonate with and you know if like a certain topic and stuff like happens to me like that's how I generally like connect with stuff like and that's how I generally write is from a personal um side of things
0: that gives you like that, the trigger. You know, yeah. It's like when you're, yeah, I can, if you get the right, like if you're a so- solo artist and it's just, you just taking everything that happens, then you have less like social interaction because the Corona. because You can't go everywhere you used to go. You can't see everybody you used to mm-hmm. see. And so then you're kind of like, okay, well, how am I going to get my inspiration? And you know, it's interesting. I've talked to some bands that they go back into their diary <laughs> and read all the stuff they did like five years ago or three months ago and then they like oh you know they go out they try to learn a new instrument or they take a class yeah. or something um but yeah it's just interesting you know some bands have had that your issue where they, they hit the road block because a lot of their stuff was like from being on a the road mm-hmm. they kind of like took their life on a road and turned it into music and then now they're like, okay, what am I gonna do? I'm just like, watching Netflix. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm having a harder time getting inspired by that. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. It's or weird. they take you know they go inside more. Like I was talking, to some artists have been able to like, oh, I, they've gone really deep inside and they have come up with like very personal stuff. That's like, wow, that's cool because they've been able to kind of do a like a Bob Dylan, Carol King kind yeah. of you know go inner and then pull all this stuff out. Um, so it's interesting uh how far people go as a singer songwriter. Do you ever feel like sometimes as a writer that you uh you're are are showing too much? Or do you feel like you got that kind of worked out, how much you you give the audience of yourself?
1: So I like I feel like I don't have like any boundaries like with my writing. Like I only just like go with like whatever feels right and whatever comes out. I don't, like, think, oh, I probably shouldn't say that just in case people think, you know, like, I don't look at it kind of, like, in that way. So mm-hmm. I I just write how I feel and that's that's just, like, kind of, like, how I process things uh, myself. So, like, writing is kind of, like, therapy as well, you know, so I just do it and, you know, I just, like, connect with the emotion and stuff and, yeah, so I don't really have any
0: boundaries. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of artists that have this kind of thing where they uh, have this kind of stage persona, even when they're writing, that they kind of get in this zone and they don't feel uncomfortable. Like if they actually are in their speaking voice or they're like non-artist self, Mm. like like when they're just interacting with people on a day-to-day basis, they find that kind of communication more, like lot less comfortable. Yeah. Then when they actually are, you know, on their mic at, in a studio booth or in their home studio, that they're able to kind of get into that like other version of themselves, yeah. which is you know yeah. maybe the truer version of themselves that they don't show the rest of the world. But when it come it comes out in the music, yeah,
1: yeah, that's and
0: it's very cathartic, you know. Yeah,
1: I think that's like with me, like because I'm quite like a closed book, like I don't really like share like any of my emotions and stuff. But like when it comes to writing and like music i would like quite happily do it and yeah it's so weird
0: yeah i mean a famous like you know example like you know you look at a guy like prince Mm -hmm. prince had a hard time talking to people you know but he had the stage persona that was totally wildly different than his own kind of shy self yeah um that 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 what he would get into in some of the deeper tracks is like way more than what you could ever get out of him in a conversation um and it just seems to be like, if you look at a lot of artists, it had, you see that pattern pattern. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just interesting. Like, you know, it's like reading a novel again, like you get into some singer songwriters and they, they're pretty much telling you everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you are like, well, you don't need to interview them. Just listen yeah, to the listen. material. Yeah, exactly. Just listen you to read, the music. And listen to all the music and then you can kind of get the answers. Yeah. <laughs> um, So that's always interesting to me. Uh, it tells you who has actually listened to the music. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're happy that you were on the show. Yes. Uh, this is um part of, um you know, it's something we've been doing for two years cool. and we're on 11 platforms on the podcast world. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Radio Public and Google Play. We're on 11 platforms. As soon as this uh, is uh, put together, mm-hmm. it takes about an hour, less than an hour sometimes. It'll go out, start to migrate through the net on all these platforms. And we're going to promote it on our blog page and on our Instagram as well, where we have pretty good integration with Spotify. Yeah. So the Spotify version of this podcast will be available as a highlight story Nice. on our, our Instagram channel and people can go right to it once we push it up. Cool. And so we're glad to have you on the program. Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me. It was, it was nice, nice chatting to you.
0: So, everybody go out and listen to F.E. Lowen on whatever streaming service you have. But um, particularly, we're on Spotify, so listen there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we, we're happy that you, that you came on a program. And please, everybody, check out F.E. Lowen on, on all streaming services. And uh, we hope to have you on a program again when you have uh, another project to talk
1: yes, about. Yes, cool. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Have a good Andrew, day. Bye. Bye.